and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me this week are a couple of Terrigen Misties, Kevin and Sarah. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Hi. Uh, well, this week we watched the story of a group of shunned and isolated people with various superpowers thanks to special genetics. The X-Men. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Nope. Marvel doesn't have the rights. We had to watch Inhumans. Uh, guys, what what in the world did we watch? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're supposed to be in the golden age of television right now. Very rarely do we get stinkers of this proportion, especially from Marvel, which their movies have been great. Uh, their Netflix stuff has gotten rave reviews. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, is holding on, you know, it has a loyal fan base. I-, I thought for sure we'd get something decent out of this. Yeah, especially where, you know, they were originally going to make this uh, part of, you know, the cinematic universe, and then they decided to, you know, scale it back a little bit and, and make a miniseries out of it. And, and in IMAX. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fortunately, we did not watch it in IMAX. We did not pay for this other than our cable subscriptions, but... Uh, this production has had a long, tumultuous history. It was announced as uh, one of the new Marvel movies from an upcoming phase. Then it got relegated to a rushed, lower-budgeted TV production. As you mentioned, scaled back. That certainly came through. And uh, that IMAX thing, I mean, they shot some sequences in IMAX, and they were just so enthused about it. It was like, no, this is going to get a movie release in IMAX. People are going to pay for it. And it was really an edited form of the first two episodes. So we saw more than what the theater goers saw early. Really? Yeah. Whoa. I'd feel a little ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this was created for ABC by uh, TV writer Scott Buck. And he had previously worked for a wide variety of shows like uh, sitcoms, like Everybody Loves Raymond and Coach. Uh, he's worked for darker dramas like Six Feet Under and Dexter, and even some animation like a, a show I always enjoyed called The Oblongs. Did you guys oh, love that? Oh, that yeah. was the best show. <laughs> yeah, that was great. We'll have to do an episode on that sometime. Mm-hmm. I was always on at like that odd time yeah. and never consistent. Only one season, I think, too. But that was really funny. The Sklars were on there and Will Ferrell yep. and cool Such stuff. Such a good show. You guys want to talk about Oblongs instead? Yes. yes. All right. Get Inhumans. Hey, the Inhumans are kind of oblong anyway, so they're kind of in the same family, right? Yeah. I mean, there are chemicals involved. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, unfortunately, for this episode of the podcast, we watched the uh, television premiere of Inhumans, which was comprised of the first two episodes. So we watched Behold, dot, 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 the Inhumans. And the second episode, Those Who Would Destroy Us. The uh, the titles I was going through on IMDb, Behold the Inhumans, I, I can't, maybe a listener could correct me, but I don't think that was the title of a comic book, but I, I know the other ones were. I think that Behold dot 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 was kind of a, a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby thing, but uh, definitely the second episode, Those Who Would Destroy Us, is the uh, the title of Fantastic Four number 46. And I believe that was the first appearance of Black Bolt. So I, I always appreciate when they have little nods for the fans. But, you know, there aren't too many Inhumans fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> These episodes aired together, like I mentioned, on, on Friday, September 29th, 2017, uh, to an audience of 3.75 million, of which we were three, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we begin, let's just... 
uh, go over a little backstory on the Inhumans. Were you guys familiar with them before we watched the show? Uh, I was. Not really. I remembered them from the uh, cartoon, uh, the Fantastic Four cartoon from 1994. Yep. And that had a, a much better adaptation of the Inhumans in the comics. <laughs> it was actually lifted like right from the 60s, from the, the comic books. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the comics, their story starts millions of years ago at the beginning of an event known as the Kree Skrull War. It was an interstellar conflict between two alien races and the Kree, which are the, the blue guys that showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, they ventured into our solar system. They noticed primitive man on Earth and began to experiment with their genetics, hoping to create a race of super soldiers to aid them in fighting the Skrulls and uh, I guess uh, <laughs> abandon them after that. Uh, they made their first appearance in Fantastic Four number 45 from December 1965, the issue entitled Among Us Hide, dot dot dot, the Inhumans. But uh, some of the members of the Inhuman royal family made earlier appearances in the series. Uh, Medusa in issue number 36. She was part of a uh, group called the Frightful Four. Uh, she was teamed up with some very goofy villains. Uh, Gorgon showed up in issue number 44. I believe in that issue he crashes Reed and Sue Richards' honeymoon. And uh, all of those were drawn uh, by Jack Kirby, written by Stan Lee. I mean, these are comic book classics. And if those guys can't make a team of comic book characters stick, I don't think anything can. So these characters, well over 50 years old, designed by the best comic artists of all time, but even with that pedigree and history, it just was not enough to bring the success they were hoping for. I looked on Rotten Tomatoes right after this came out. It was holding at a four. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may be up to eight. Uh, Metacritic had a 29 out of 100. Uh, the fan rating uh, after the initial premiere was 5.3 out of 10. <laughs> reviews, obviously. I mean, it's hard to hear any good reviews about it. Uh, reviews have been generally unfavorable. The Metacritic consensus used such words as dull, unimaginative, weak, and disengaging. <laughs> so. I can see that. It's oh. rough. Oh, it's... Well, you know, let's let's get right into it. Let's see if we found anything possibly redeeming. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go over this. Okay, so we start with our opening scene. Uh, this takes place in Oahu. And uh, we see a girl with uh, yellow cat eyes uh, attempted to be brought from Earth to Atalon by uh, a human named Triton. But he's shot. And she's shot too. And uh, Triton then falls off a cliff into water where he's presumed dead. Can we go back a little? When he was running, I don't know if you saw this, but I made Kevin pause it. Oh, <laughs> Because his Triton's face is green. I was like, it looks like Jim Carrey from The Mask. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't notice that, but yeah, yeah, that's true. But I saw, I saw it on the second time we watched it. I right. made him stop it. I was like, you've got to stop that. <laughs> I was like, oh no, if this is the most redeeming thing out of it, oh, out of you... this first for like five minutes of it, I was like, oh no, this is, this is going to be a long two hours. Did you say, somebody stop it? Yeah. <laughs> Smoking. <laughs> the other thing with that scene is, you know, they're getting shot at, but it, at some points it, it looks like they're maybe like eight feet away from them, if that. And, you know, there's just bullets and explosions like all over the place. You know, it's <laughs> like, how are you? What, are you stormtroopers? Like, what's going on? How are you missing? <laughs> 
Oh, I know. Their yeah. weapons were set to miss. And, and then I don't know what happens to the girl, but when Triton falls into the water, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. The inhuman with the ability to breathe underwater just so happens to fall into water. Yeah, I'm sure he's dead. You know, we right. never see him again in the premiere. Come on, give me it, a break. Yeah, and it, and it seemed like, you know, they were more interested in going after Triton because they just kind of, she fell down and they just kind of ran past her to go after him. Yeah. Who Which, was she anyway? <laughs> I don't know. And again, you know, for those listening, we didn't watch beyond the first two episodes. So maybe they explore what happens to her. But as far as we saw, she doesn't come back. She didn't get shot in that scene, right? I don't remember I don't... if she got hit or if she just fell down. Okay. Maybe I just saw her go down. Either way, not really a factor. Just kind of setting the scene that they're being hunted for some reason. Yeah, and full disclosure, we do have the rest of the episodes on the DVR, and we do plan on watching them, <laughs> but we wanted to, you know, make sure we got this recorded first before we watched ahead and kind of got confused as to giving things away if, if you're in the same boat as us and maybe you haven't seen it yet. Right, yes. I, I In fact, everybody that I know that has watched this premiere has not watched episodes three and onward, so... <laughs> <laughs> I have them too, and I just have not watched them yet. They may be brilliant, so apologies in advance if they are. Uh, so in this scene, we learn that humans on Earth have been exposed to what's called pterogen. It's the substance that activates the powers that lie in dormant in human genes. So like I said, the Kree experimented on primitive man, and supposedly there are just humans with these inhuman genes that lie dormant. So they could be normal humans around you. You know, you could be one. Who knows? But if you're exposed to this pterogen, then you'll know. You know, you'll, either nothing will happen to you or you become an inhuman. And of course, in the comics recently, they've noted that, oh, it also kills mutants, which is uh, very fortunate for Marvel since they don't have the rights to X-Men. And uh, the stuff that... Uh, makes their guys more powerful, happens to kill X-Men. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Funny how that worked out. I'm a big X-Men fan. I've mentioned it on the show before. I hate the idea of Marvel pushing Inhumans as like, oh, uh, well, we don't have X-Men, but check out these guys that we have. And it's like, uh, it's just not the same. Right. No, not at all. So the contamination, it's not really fully explained here. They just assume that viewers were all caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because I believe that's all explained there. Have you guys watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Are you caught up? Yep, we're yes. all caught up on that. So what do they explain about Inhumans in there? Um, well, basically, it's sort of along the same thing. Like, they come in contact with the, uh, the Terrigen crystals, and they sort of... Actually, it's in my notes later, but they sort of uh, go into, like, a what would you call it? Like a carbon cocoon or like shell kind of forms around the person, you know, almost like, uh, Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> light dawns on marble head. Sorry. <laughs> um, and then like, if they are an inhuman, then, you know, they kind of like eventually break out of the stuff or they just shatter if they don't become an inhuman. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. Probably the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they shouldn't rely on people having watched, you know, because that's explained, what, late in season two, maybe season three? Something like that? Uh, I forget which season. It, it what was. season are they in now? I think they're going into four. In, in fact, I, I think it was delayed because of this, because this is going to be a, like a kind of a miniseries event. Right, right. So we're kind of waiting on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of this, which, you know, doesn't bring any more goodwill towards Inhumans for pushing a better show. Yeah, I mean, the note I had uh, 
here was uh, when we get to the <laughs> the point where they go through a teragenesis process in, in in humans. I just wrote, why did they change the teragenesis process in this? Why is there no carbon cocoon thing? That's probably where I, why I was confused and yeah. didn't yeah. realize until just now. That is odd, yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves with that, yeah. I don't want you to have to skip ahead in your notes. You can bring it up there. <laughs> it wasn't that far ahead in my notes. <laughs> so from here, we cut to the moon on the inhuman-ruled city of Adalon. Now, uh, just a note about the uh, the city we see here. Earlier, I mentioned that the Inhumans as characters, you know, they're well over 50 years old, but the city of Adalon has them all beat. Uh, the city of Adalon actually dates back to a Tuck the Cave Boy story that Jack Kirby wrote and drew for Captain America Comics number one. That was March 1941, 76 years ago. Whoa. Yeah, so on a side note, if anybody has a copy they want to donate to the show, you can email us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. Uh, it's in bad shape. That comic is worth ten thousand dollars. Its record sale was three hundred forty-three thousand for a uh, CGC graded three point two copy. That's more than wow. my house. That's crazy. So yeah, that's wow. uh, hittingplayshow at gmail dot com. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, the city of uh, Adelon it actually can move. If I remember correctly from the comics, right? I'm not sure. Does the city itself move? Because, again, I'm, I know of the Inhumans, but I never read any of their stuff. But I know they've moved different places as a society. But does the city actually move? I don't know. I, I can't. I, I'm not sure if the city actually moves or if they all just move and then decide this is now Adelant. Yeah, I don't know. Because they, they have moved. I think they were somewhere in the Arctic or something right. at one point. Yeah. So they're a shunned, isolated group. So they've always been kind of moving around. As far as the series goes, I'm not sure if they are always supposed to be on the moon, but that's where they, you know, they, where they start out. Just another side note about the city. I always thought the name of the Inhuman City was pronounced Adelon. So when they all, they all start saying like, Adelan, Adelan, it's so <laughs> jarring and distracting to me. It's like going into Boston. Yeah, exactly. Pack the car and have it yard and don't hit the Boyd. <laughs> It's, I thought it's supposed to sound a little more regal than Adelan. Right. Well, anyway. All right, so next we get a, uh, a very interesting TVPG scene uh, with Medusa and Black Bolt. They are the, the king and queen of Adelan in bed. A uh, little racy for TVPG. I guess uh, <laughs> Medusa's wig is kind of uh, strategically covering them both. <laughs> and uh, I, I think in this scene is where we get the first... Uh, view of the uh, the Fitbit uh, product placement. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it's some interesting uh, technology. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it, you know if you had like your iPhone that you could kind of just slap on your wrist, like you know one of those slap bracelet <laughs> things. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of cool. It's so funny, and uh, you know, it's not a a real product placement for Fitbit, but that's exactly what they look like. These, you know, wrist mounted communicators, these black technological bracelets or whatever. And, yeah, they, uh, they can, you know, like I said, they can straighten out like like a slap bracelet can, but they can also like unfold in half to give you like a view screen as well that you see later in the in the episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as wide as like your iPhone. Right. Yeah, it's so weird, and yeah, the, the guy that's that has the most powerful voice, well, not to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, let's give him a voice communicator. Right. That's a brilliant <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, we then see them dressed, and they're looking out at the city from their concrete balcony. Uh, what do you guys think of the look of this city? 
I mean, it's it's kind of cool, kind of futuristic. Um, some of the shots of it almost remind me of uh, some of the scenes from like Wally, where he's in the trash city. <laughs> <laughs> Very minimalist. A lot of mm-hmm. concrete was used for this. Yep. I don't know. I Neutral it... colors too. Yeah, yeah. Gray and boring. That's what mm-hmm. I thought. Except and, for Medusa's hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, quite the wig they had on, yes. on this actress. And, you know, the the funny thing is, like, the CGI hair is super goofy looking, mm-hmm. but the wig looks really bad, too. <laughs> yeah. And then they just kind of go back and forth between whether it's, you know, the wig or the CGI hair, and it's just, it's jarring. Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's not a good transition when they go between the two. Yeah, she's one of those characters, and, like, can they ever really make a good live-action version of her powers it just it doesn't look right no matter what you know yeah i mean i think if they had just gone with like entirely cgi for the whole thing rather than kind of back and forth between a wig and cgi i think it would have been better mm. not saying that the cgi was done well on her hair but but it's at least the best but at least all. you know it, it would have been more consistent throughout you know right yeah well, of course, they wrote themselves out of that. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say they uh, figured a way out of that. Uh, now, uh, we should note, too, of course, they're on the moon, They, you know, they, but they have somewhat human physiology. So there's a dome that covers the city. All I could think of was a Simpsons movie. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. And, of course, from here we get the, the title card, Inhumans. And uh, from this scene, we get a, a scene of a moon rover. That a, a, an Earth space agency is using to explore the moon, but it uh, quickly gets stomped on by Gorgon. Kind of, uh, <laughs> is that a hoof? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Black Bolt and Medusa, they're walking the streets of Adelon. They seem to be well-liked. We'll get into it. I don't know why, but they, they are well-loved by some. Uh, Black Bolt, as he walks through a crowd, he sees his brother, Maximus, and signals to him to join them for a meeting of the royal family. <laughs> Maximus always looks like he's either going to th- cry or throw up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the uh, the actor here, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, uh, He uh, that played Maximus, he is from Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. from what I've heard from people that watch that show, he's a good actor. He plays a yeah. very really? good villain. Yeah. I've seen exactly an episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know. I it's just I I think it's the material because he doesn't come off. He comes off as like sniveling. Well, I and, think his acting in this one is a little bit better than some of the others. So oh, for I can sure. Kind of see. Yeah. So the uh, the royal family meets together. They're joined by Karnak and Gorgon. Uh, Gorgon is the leader of the royal guard, and this room very weird. Uh, we got a shallow pool of water, kind of a digital screen, and two women sitting in white in the pool on either side. Yep, for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Are they are they batteries? Is that their inhuman power? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's uh yeah they power L- LED screens or something. It's so strange. You know I I think if Gorgon was recast with Torgo and you could have Torgon, I think that would have made it way better. <laughs> <laughs> I take care of the place while Blackagar is away. <laughs> Uh, and we haven't even said what Black Bolt's actual name is yet. It's Blackagar Boltagon. Oh, <laughs> which yes. Is, which is just an awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I know. That's so great. And I never knew that from the comics that he had that name, but it fortunately worked out. Black Bolt for short. Yep. Yeah, uh, Black Bolt played here by Anson Mount. Uh, I wasn't too familiar with his work prior to this. In some of the research, if you looked at it, he has a younger brother. I believe it's younger brother. The exact same name. Oh, really? Yes. That's strange. But I think, well, the younger brother, I think, is the third or something. Like, it's the same name. It's just he's the third. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought I was reading it wrong. <laughs> it's kind of like a George Foreman type deal, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. The younger brother's from a second marriage. Oh, okay. Or something like that. It's not. It's like a stepbrother or something. Weird. Medusa here is played by Sorinda Swan. Wasn't, again, another one I wasn't too familiar with her work prior to this. Uh, Ken Leung plays uh, Karnak. He is the inhuman with the ability to spot the weaknesses in all things. Kind of an interesting power, you know, kind of a creative uh, thing. But him I saw in many different things. He was in The Force Awakens. He's going to be in The Last Jedi. He was in Lost, Lost right? Yeah. Lost, Which yeah. filmed in Hawaii as well. Yeah. He was in X-Men The Last Stand, so yes, he mm -hmm. is also a mutant and an inhuman. <laughs> so, yeah, he he comes with a superhero pedigree. Whenever I hear, like, Karnak's name, all I can think of is Johnny Carson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another one, yeah. <laughs> a truck stop bathroom and a Susan B. Anthony dollar. Name two things that nobody ever uses. <laughs> and Gorgon here is played by... Uh, uh, Kind of butcher his name here, but Emmy Ikwaker. He's uh, an actor that's uh, been in a few movies, a few TV shows, uh, a lot of CBS stuff, NCIS Los Angeles, and that kind of thing. So another one that I wasn't too familiar with uh, prior to this. Uh, we'll get into Crystal. She's an actress from Australia. Maximus played here by Yuan Rune, I think is how his name is pronounced. So interesting casting. Anyway. I just wanted to mention who these actors are before we, we go any further. I also thought I saw that Black Bolt, his sign language, it's not the American sign language. Like, it's a abbreviated from it. Because, like, he, he didn't want it to be the same thing. And he wanted to put his own spin to it. So he, like, essentially created his own language. Yeah, I, I had heard that, too. And, you know, going into this, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that. I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. You know, for someone that, that's hearing impaired, here's a character on TV actually doing sign language, like a main character. That's really cool. And then I heard about like, oh, no, he didn't want to do ASL. He wanted to have his own thing. So it's like, oh, well, then what's the point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that could have been something really cool. But If he has the same name as his brother, he's probably got to do something to pull himself apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh so just back to the episode here, you know, we get this this meeting of the royal family, the most boring royal family in this weird room, and uh, Gorgon walks in with the moon rover that he crushed, throws it away. Uh, we cut to Earth on the uh, Callisto Aerospace Control Center in California. That's where we get the line, you know, because, well, Gorgon feels as though, oh, nobody saw it, you know, and then cut right to them saying, hey, that looks like a hoof. <laughs> uh, with the uh the generic uh, felicity smoke character yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we see uh yeah louise will be the uh the scientist kind of in in control of uh looking further into the inhumans her boss is actually uh, i believe he was george costanza's boss from seinfeld at the yankees yeah i believe so him? he's been in that's where he's from yeah he's been in a 
bajillion different things. Like if on IMDb, it's like a whole bunch of like an episode here of this show, an episode here of that show. <laughs> I'll always remember him as the the guy that was eating the candy bar with the fork and the knife because <laughs> so good. Tom Wright is that actor's name. Yeah, great job by him. So the royal family gets briefed on the missing Triton and what just happened in the opening sequence, but Black Bolt decides to do nothing. And that's kind of a running theme here is Black Bolt deciding to do nothing, which makes for a really uh, fun action show. Uh, but <laughs> Maximus wants everyone to go to Earth before the people of Earth discover them and destroy them. I mean, you know, look at this moon rover. This Clearly, the people of Earth will find them very shortly, so they have to act now. And, you know, you kind of are on Maximus's side of things. It's like, yeah, it's only a matter of time before they're discovered, and who knows what'll happen. But Black Bolt, nope, does not want to do anything. Prior to the episode, in the comics... Was he kind of just laid back and didn't want to do anything? Like non-confrontational or like was that his character? I think he was, yeah, I, I think that's supposed to be what he is. Like the strong, you know, the strong silent leader kept his Inhumans very much separated from the the rest of the world. And then, you know, the rest of the planet eventually. So I think that fits in line. But again, these are very uninteresting characters. You know, why the rumors are... That the only reason why we're getting this show in the first place is because Fox will not, you know, revert the rights back to Marvel for the X-Men. So, you know, this is kind of like the closest thing Marvel had other than them. Doesn't mean that they're good, but it's just, I think that's, that's why. And yeah, so I think Black Bolt is this guy that just wants them to be left alone. So the person who is doing the directing for S.H.I.E.L.D. is different than the one that's for Inhumans? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's the guy who did the Dexter finale, isn't it? Oh, he directed Dexter that too. Dexter got way weird. I think. Yeah, the director or maybe that, that maybe it was the writer. I don't I can't remember. Yeah, cuz I know the writer worked on Dexter, so I don't The uh yeah, the director of this was Roel René. He uh, directed such films as The Marine 2 and The Scorpion King 3. <laughs> Oof. Those should have been red flags. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, from here, we cut to a, a Terragenesis ceremony at the Grand Hall. We're told it's the Grand Hall. It doesn't really look it, but uh, two it's young a, people. It's a hall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it looked like a little room. <laughs> We're at the Concrete Corridor, sponsored by Quickly. <laughs> and uh, here we see two young people receive their powers via blue crystals from a sacred artifact. And these are dropped into glass-doored chambers. It looked like a shower door. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, it was a low budget, so I'm sure there were some <laughs> trips to Costco and Home Depot. Uh, this whole thing was done in front of the royal family, as well as a body uh, of Inhumans known as the Genetic Council. So everyone's there uh, to watch this ceremony. I guess they do this for everybody? Seems, yeah, it seemed like it was, you know, kind of like a, a rite of passage type thing that, you know, everybody goes through. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing the, these two are brother and sister. I'm guessing they're from the same family. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We're not really given too much backstory here. Uh, everyone is there to watch except for Crystal and Lockjaw. And uh, Lockjaw teleports her there just in time. Now, uh, Crystal, she is uh, Medusa's younger sister, played here by the actress Isabel Cornish, I believe her name is. And uh, Lockjaw is kind of like... 
their attempt to really uh, get get fans of the show interested. Lockjaw is the just this giant bulldog that has the ability to teleport. Uh, what do you guys think of the look of Lockjaw? Well, I I thought you know Lockjaw looks good, but the CGI kind of feels out of place. Uh, you know, uh, unlike it does in like other Mar- Marvel movies that like really heavily use CGI. Yeah, I don't know it. Uh, maybe it was part of you know the way they filmed things in IMAX. It just didn't quite mesh well and maybe it looks a little better in later episodes i'm not sure Hmm. but a question i had is okay is lockjaw a dog or is he a human who became a teleporting dog when he went through terragenesis i think lockjaw was humanoid and became that dog form so i i believe he's intelligent as a as a you know just a regular person would be he doesn't have a dog's intelligence yeah because i was gonna say you don't see any other like you know pets or anything like that that are in humans as well so that's why i was kind of wondering if he was like a human who became <laughs> a but he dog. doesn't seem to be too good at his job either because i mean we'll get into this in a little bit but when he transports people they're in the same place but not near them so if he was like oh we got to take them to we'll get into it later um <laughs> his accuracy is a little off yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know. She just has a giant Pokeball on her head, so. Oh, oh yeah. Crystal, yeah. She has, I, I again, I don't, I can't remember for the back of her head, but I remember on the sides she would have those black stripes. It's a big, it's a dot in the back of the head. Yeah, it's so weird. And that's, that's not how hair color works. No. <laughs> you know, unless, you know, she got zapped or something at one point and then you kind of get a striper. I don't know exactly how that would work. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to look up Lockjaw. I didn't see anything about him being uh, humanoid or anything, but I believe that's what it is, is that he had or at least a, a human's intelligence. Although here, he just seems to be uh, just a dog. A big dog. Yeah, very big. We should mention that. He was cool. I liked I liked him in the comics. I mean, what's not to love? You know, it's like this giant bulldog with that can teleport, and he's funny. At one point in the X-Men comics, Quicksilver uh, was in a relationship with Crystal. So, like in X-Factor comics, you would see Lockjaw. So that's how I was always familiar with him. And yeah, he was great. Yep, uh, and, and now he's uh, in the uh, the new Miss Marvel Kamala Khan comics. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe Medusa kind of sends Lockjaw along to kind of keep an eye on her and kind of be a companion to her. It was funny, uh, before, I think before we even watched this, Kevin, you sent me a message saying that you heard that the two best characters here were going to be Black Bolt and Lockjaw. (laughs) Yeah. It just figures the two characters that don't speak are the two most compelling. (laughs) (laughs) They planned it well. Yeah. Yeah, and after watching the first two episodes, I I would agree, those are probably the two best. (laughs) They're my favorites. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, we we get this this terragenesis ceremony. They drop the crystals in, the mist rises, you know, the bath bombs go off or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so the girl emerges with her powers, which we see are butterfly wings. Very beautiful butterfly wings. They flap very slowly. Uh, they they don't seem to work like regular butterfly wings, <laughs> but it's a you know a beautiful look. You know she she emerges with a very uh, you know positive transformation. Where the boy walks out, and he seems to have no physical change whatsoever. It's kind of a disappointment. And uh, Maximus pats him on the back. Uh, Maximus, we should mention, no distinguishing features. Looks like a regular human. And he's kind of always put down throughout this. 
as you know someone that's gone through terragenesis with no change that happens sometimes sometimes you, you just get a dud you know it's like a firework that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't light or something <laughs> like reese's birthday candles right oh. <laughs> they were and, the sparklers and they didn't really sparkle well that's what maximus is a, <laughs> <laughs> there's no sparkle there whatsoever and it, it's kind of like mentioned throughout the show like oh if you weren't related to the king you know, you'd be one of us. You'd be this lower caste. That's what happens to those that don't develop their powers. You know, they're sent to the to the mines. We'll get into that. But so that's why Maximus, you know, feels very sympathetic towards this boy. He pats him on the back, just kind of a there there type of gesture. But immediately when he does this, the boy has a seizure and he starts to have these visions, which fortunately for the viewers, he describes as he's having them. <laughs> and uh, this vision mentions that he sees Maximus surrounded by snakes. All right, so from here, we go to a commercial break. So at this point, the show goes into a commercial break, so why don't we take a commercial break ourselves, we'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back. This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you without commercial interruption by Liars. Hey. And we're back. Okay, so we open on the lower cast living quarters, and that's what, that's what it's called. The lower caste living quarters. Here we see the two young people that we saw earlier get their transformations, showing off their results to the very uh, interested crowd. What'd you get? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like Christmas morning. What'd you get? <laughs> They're very interested. They really want to know. And Maximus is there for some reason. Like, he seems to always be meddling in the crowds. He doesn't hang out with the royal family. He's there with the, the, the lower caste people. Uh, the girl shows off her wings. They all applaud. And the boy was just like, I got a rock. Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking the same thing. <laughs> I got a rock. And I love the guy that yells out, to the mines you go with us or something like that. Whatever he says. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, jerk. <laughs> Which uh, I was going to ask you guys, what are they mining? I don't know. It's like dirt mines. Moon rocks. I don't know. Did they get the Terrigen crystal? No, because the Terrigen crystals would come from uh, from the Kree, from the Kree. wouldn't it? And you can only do that I, once, I would imagine. correct? Yeah. And that seems to be very, you know, highly guarded, stored in a sacred artifact. Are I, the mines to expand? That's like one... Like their architecture? That's one thing that I heard, and that that's, that's the only thing that makes sense, is that the Inhumans are stuck on the moon, the population keeps growing, so... They expand, I guess, by building lower and lower cast apartments downstairs, I guess. So uh, Maximus is also told by this heckler here that, you know, you should have been sent to the mines too. Maximus, he's this kind of character you think like he's going to get really mad and lash out at this guy. But no, he agrees. And he tries to use that point to undermine the rule of Black Bolt. Uh, this is right out of the comics. You know, his brother's always, you know, he wants to usurp the throne of... Of Adelon. So here we get Maximus just kind of, you know, putting it in people's heads like, yeah, you're right. Things aren't fair. And it is because of Black Bolt. And, you know, when you look at the situation of these people, yeah, Black Bolt's maybe not the best leader. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really good for the lower cast here. Uh, so from here, we cut back to the royal family. They're now eating a meal in their dining room. We get this scene with the servant girl in Karnak. Kind of like makes eyes at Karnak. Did you guys remember this one? Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and he just kind of shuts her down. <laughs> yeah, she kind of like, like makes eyes at him like she's somewhat interested. But because 
Karnak has the ability. See, like in the in the cartoon and everything that I remember, it's like, oh yeah, he could chop a block of wood and know exactly where to hit it, or you know, he could hit a a, a stone pillar and know exactly where to hit it because his power is to see the weakness in all things. Evidently, that also translates to relationships, because <laughs> this is where he was like talking to her with you know very cold and precise logic that you know their our relationship would last two and a half days uh, because of your dependency issues and the fact that you uh, chew with your mouth open and she's like <laughs> so offended and walks away you know so weird I guess that was their attempt at humor for this episode so uh, Maximus runs into the dining hall to inform them that Triton is dead. And uh, this is where uh, we get a very special inhuman that is brought in. You guys want to describe this? <laughs> he got shuffled in by somebody. He escorted in and he looked like a fly because he had projector eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't see, but then they just turns into a giant projector. <laughs> It's like FaceTime, but literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, pr projector eyes guy reminds me of uh, Cape Chameleon. Like, he kind of looks like that. Like, picture those eyes. Yes. <laughs> like, from the tick. Yep. <laughs> but why does he keep moving the projection around the room? I mean, <laughs> people are trying to watch what you're showing them. Keep it in one spot. <laughs> I think he was trying to follow the action of Triton running. And getting shot at? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, because it wasn't like a steady shot, because he was running. Either way, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. And yeah, where is this video coming from? I know it's his power, so he maybe can see all or something. But uh, it just so happens to be the opening sequence of the episode. You know, it's like, here guys, let's uh, look at the first five minutes of the episode. Yes. So strange. What an, an odd, I, I mean, I, I got to give the props, like, interesting way. Of bringing up the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that before. <laughs> but just imagine this poor guy going through the terrigenesis ceremony and coming out, you know, being able to uh, show home movies. All right. <laughs> so I weird. bring him to my next cookout. <laughs> Let me get this board out back. Mm. And then, you know, when 4K comes, does he have to upgrade? How does this work? <laughs> Uh, and then the light burns out. That's a mess. I know. How do you change the light bulb? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> uh, so we learn in this scene that there was a pterogen contamination of Earth's water supply leading to this transformation who are part in human. And it's further explained here. They are the descendants of the one who stayed behind when the inhumans went to the moon. And that's, again... Tying into some stuff that's mentioned in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because, you know, spoilers for those that haven't caught up. I believe Daisy is Quake. And, you know, she's an Inhuman, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's kind of explained more there. Again, they're assuming that you're watching all this stuff. But uh, that that's why there was a girl on Earth that they were trying to smuggle up to the moon. Because now... She's gone through this change, even though she's been a normal human up to that point, and Black Bolt wants these people safe. Adding to this huge moon population, so that's why Maximus is like, no, why don't we go to Earth? Why do they have to come up here? It's so crowded. Maximus kind of has a point at this point, you know? Yeah, because in, in 
shield, like basically the, the water supply gets contaminated with the, the terrigen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think like you see like fish like ingesting it or something like that. Um, then you see fishermen, you know, pulling the fish in or something. I, I can't remember exactly, but it, it's something along those lines where basically the pterogen is now all over the place on Earth. So, you know, there's just inhumans that are going to be popping up all over the place. Get Blinky the three-eyed fish. Yes. <laughs> so I just thought of this, and it may be a dumb kind of question, but where... The girl that got the butterfly wings and the guy that had the seizure, he had, they had like almost like a coming out party. The girl on earth, how she didn't have, did she must have had the exposure to those blue crystal things then, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah. Through and the water that was contamination. What, water contamination. Okay. I'm like, wait, but she didn't have a party. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, uh, that's, Triton is basically a big party planner for all these uh, <laughs> yes. new inhumans. Come on with me. And Surprise! Of, <laughs> and of course, every awaits. time you mention Triton, I think of the Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. So that gives us a little more explanation. Of course, the beginning of the episode was supposed to be vague. You know, we get this action scene. I think this was the IMAX scene. It's really not that great, but just a lot of craziness, a lot of firing, like you mentioned. We're not really supposed to know why things are happening, but now we kind of get the backstory. Triton was secretly sent by Black Bolt on a secret mission to rescue these new Inhumans. He, he views them as members of their family, and, you know, that's why you have to take care of them and make sure they're safe. Okay, I get why that happened. So Maximus uses this moment to criticize his brother in front of the royal family. Again, he's trying to undermine his brother at every opportunity, saying, you know, once again, we gotta leave for Earth. Uh, can't keep the population rising here in the city. And so he leaves... And Karnak says to Black Bolt, uh, you're blind to his intentions. It's one of your greatest weaknesses. And Black Bolt knows it. You know, he still loves his brother and he puts up with all of this crap. But it's uh, it's not a not a good idea. And everybody can see it. Uh, as we'll get into, uh, Black Bolt has many weaknesses, but um, <laughs> we'll get into that. So Black Bolt next sends Gorgon down to Earth on a rescue mission. In fact, he takes his gun uh, because it's... A rescue mission, not a revenge mission. Oh, just to clarify, uh, they, they take the gun away from from uh, Gorgon. So no gun goes down to Earth. <laughs> That's right. And he doesn't need it. I mean, Gorgon, I, I don't think we got into it yet, but his power is a very powerful stomp with the, these hooved feet. <laughs> it cracks the Earth below. It creates like this shockwave almost. You know, it's it, it, if you're standing nearby, it'll knock you down. So he does have superpowers you know he's very strong uh so anyway he's sent down for this rescue mission and they look at news footage on the uh little shallow pool screen and they just look at the all the bad stuff going on on the earth and they talk about how earth is horrible you know they they see all the bad things going on uh i don't know what channels they're watching so from here we cut to a commercial break so when we return back on the moon uh, Medusa is warning Black Bolt about his brother, and <laughs> Black Bolt retires to his sealed concert chamber to think. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, every every room on Adelon seems to be like this sealed chamber of, of gray concrete, but I guess his is very special because it's round, like very good acoustics. <laughs> <laughs> Those are important. Yes. yes. So here we get a flashback of Medusa first meeting Black Bolt when they were both children. Uh, and I, I guess she was the only one not afraid of him. Was it a setup? 
Is that what you got out of it, you think? I wasn't sure. Or like the group of kids where like, no, you go talk to him. No, I don't want to talk to him. You talk to him. She seemed to be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They struck up a friendship and they've been together ever since. Evidently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so we get the, yeah, that, that flashback, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a pointless thing, but it was supposed <laughs> to show you that she's always been by his side ever since they were kids. Like he's been misunderstood and feared since he was a child. Uh, but she's the only one that was not afraid of him, that would talk to him, uh, provided he didn't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why? <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> Can't wait for that scene. Uh, so as she walks away from the door, yeah, we're back in present day. Uh, Maximus approaches Medusa to uh, ask her if she ever wished she had never decided to walk in that chamber to talk to Black Bolt. And he tells her, you know, I would have treated you better and all this stuff. And he gets really creepy. Yeah. Why then? Why now? It's such a weird scene. I don't, I don't know. It just, parts of this whole episode just seemed very rushed. Yes. Like, let's jump to the point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this scene, it kind of just seemed like a reason to show her using her powers with her hair to like, you know, fight basically. Yeah, exactly. Because they really made nothing, uh, but like there was no like scene of him like looking over at Medusa or ma- making any mention of her. Now all of a sudden he's secretly in love with her, and he's like, you know, not only trying to undermine his, uh, you know, his brother's ability to lead, but now he also wants to marry the queen. Yeah, it's like whoever wrote this, I forget his name, had like that universal checklist like oh this person needs to fall in love with that person and then this one needs to break this person's heart it's like a giant soap opera yeah or the lion king (laughs) 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 but so yeah like kevin mentions here's the scene where you know he's getting really aggressive he's getting really creepy and so she takes her hair we got the cgi hair strangles him and pushes him against the wall just enough to make her point then she lets him go and she leaves. And that was enough that Maximus can now be like, oh, that was the snake's vision that was foreseen about me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess. That that gives us the scene. It's supposed to set up that, oh, wait a minute, that boy that had the seizures, there, there must be more to his power than what meets the eye. Well, it's like, of course, you knew that was coming. So later, the head of the genetic council, I believe his name is Katang? He agrees to meet privately with Maximus, and uh, Maximus is very interested in hearing more about the boy's powers, because, you know, now he knows something is up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Katang says that the the boy foresaw him resting in a beautiful river, and it's like, oh, that must be a hallucination, because the moon has no rivers. (laughs) It's like, oh boy. Yeah, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to figure out where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because... You know, aside from that, Maximus also wants to use the opportunity to help, you know, sway the genetic council into supporting his plan to defy Black Bolt once again. You know, let's bring the Inhumans to Earth. And Katang is, like, shocked. He refuses, uh, you know, saying that, you know, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't go against Black Bolt, his king. And he asks a lady named Oron to arrest him. Oron is another, I guess she's a member of the Royal Guard. Uh, She's some sort of guard, anyway. But instead, she kills Katang. Uh, we see that she's actually allied with Maximus, secretly. And now we see the dead Katang lying in a river of his own blood. <laughs> it's like, 
That's a beautiful river. Okay. <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you've never seen a river, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oron next calls Maximus her king, in case you didn't get it, and they agree to swiftly move forward with his plan for a coup. Shocking. <laughs> Incredibly shocking. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And that brings us right to a commercial break on that cliffhanger. So. I think just about the only cliffhanger. Yes, yes. Unless you're talking about literal cliffs, because that's coming as well. <laughs> so we return to the show in Oahu because, you know, like this production, I think they just flew everybody to Hawaii. All right, let's film quick. And uh, we see that Gorgon is uh, trying to track Triton's movements. So from here, we cut back to Adelan, where Karnak is taking apart the lunar rover, you know, just going about normal royal family business, I guess. And uh, making some comment about the battery? Like, they're somewhat familiar with Earth technology. Yeah. Like making fun of lithium batteries or something. <laughs> and the royal guards move in to arrest him in the name of King Maximus. So that was an interesting shock to him. But back on Earth, we see that the guards are moving in on Gorgon 2, down in Oahu. Uh, so I guess we learn that the men in black at the beginning that killed Triton were under Maximus's orders. It was unclear under whose direction those men were when we began, but now we knew why they were trying to find Triton and the girl. So my question is, were those soldiers in black at the beginning, were they fellow inhumans? No, I don't think so. Like, I did, at least it didn't come across to me like that. I like, also didn't think that they were with, with Maximus. Well, he they at this point in it, you see that they're in contact with them. Oh, yeah. So I, my guess is that they're also in humans because otherwise, then there's a, a batch of humans on the Earth that know about the Inhumans on the on the uh, Moon. But he's so gung ho about getting to Earth. Couldn't that be his way in? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was kind of confused by that. Like, okay, so. Oh, Triton was set up by Maximus at the very beginning. Like, Maximus knew Triton was going down there, so he had him set up that he was going to get killed. Because there are evidently, you know, like, guards on his side already. So, are those inhumans? Like, why are they using guns? They're not using powers? Maybe they're just regular humans? You know, like, the lower caste inhumans that didn't change? Oh, that could be. I don't know, because, you know, if you would think if they're fellow inhumans, Gorgon would kind of realize... Or Triton would realize, like, why are, you know, my fellow guards attacking me? Like, I, I don't know. That was very unclear to me. I'm sure there's a very clear explanation of what's going on here, but wasn't explained too well. So uh, Karnak, we cut back to him, and he's using his powers to fight off the guards twice. Uh, we get this very strange time rewind scene. He, like, fights off the guards, but then is killed, and he's lying face down in the, I don't know, the floor water. <laughs> but, but then the two white people didn't move were they there yeah. yeah yes they were sitting there and they had no reaction to the fighting going on around them that is so weird it's like a minority report type thing yeah <laughs> that is so weird yeah and so the time freezes and then we see a duplicate karnak kind of walking around the scene kind of making comments assessing how the fight went like you know that that could have been done different and then he makes the needed adjustments he goes back and does the correct moves to defeat the guards. So what what did you guys think of how his powers are portrayed here? I thought it was really cool. Um, I definitely like, you know, the uh, the seeing the different options uh, 
part of it. it visually, it looks cool, too. Mm. One of the better parts of the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> Although his powers don't always really seem to work. <laughs> yes, yes. But we'll get into that later. Certainly. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, it's like, oh, can he stop and rewind time in this, you know, in this version of Karnak? No, it's kind of like what we saw was actually a simulation that it was running in his brain. And that wasn't really happening. It was just him calculating. And we kind of get these like laser lines kind of going everywhere. And those are supposed to also symbolize, you know, trajectories and angles and energies and motions and things like that. Kind of kind of interesting. It's like beautiful mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can see potential in that guy's character. Yeah. So back on Earth, Gorgon is now fighting with his stomp powers. Uh, your thoughts on <laughs> your thoughts on Gorgon's powers? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it was kind of one of those like, oh, of course he stomps. He's got hooves. <laughs> yeah. But he has giant boots over the hooves, right? Yeah. So so I guess the the boots are pretty resilient. <laughs> yeah. And why bother wearing the boots? They're like stuffed with newspapers at the toe. <laughs> kind of weird. So um, we should mention the music in this scene as these guys are fighting. They got, they're they getting like really dramatic. And uh, we get a song by... Josh Mobley. <laughs> no, Jim Morrison. Come on. <laughs> but the guy, this version is that guy is josh mobley what song was this what door song was this break on through so, i used to listen to it <laughs> the cover no oh, i was gonna say okay yeah i mean nothing against the guy that covered the song but it's just so weird like they they want i see this all the time now in commercials Movie trailers, commercials for video games and whatever, you get these slow, dramatic covers of songs from like, you know, the 60s and 70s or even current day sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's Johnny Cash did it well and everyone else is like, that's a great idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did Nine Inch Nails, didn't he? Yep. Speaking of which, the Flyleaf one, she did one. What, a Nine Inch Nails cover? Yep. Huh. Yeah, it can work, obviously. Uh, but here, it it's... just seemed so pretentious and, I don't know. Yeah. Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best description. <laughs> so, yeah, we get this this whole scene. We get the Doors cover. Like, wow. I think even while I was watching this, I messaged you guys, like, about the Doors cover coming up. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those... I could have muted it and watched the fighting because the choreography of the fighting was really good. I liked that. And it seemed to be the best part of the whole thing. <laughs> like the acting was just atrocious, but the fighting was good. Yeah, I think, you know, this director, as we mentioned, he has a lot of, I think, direct-to-video, you know, movie credits. Those <laughs> are probably more action-oriented, so I'm sure it's something he has experience with. You know, as far as the actual relationships and the characters and their human aspects, it probably doesn't get highlighted as well in this. So, anyway, Karnak is able to escape, and he warns the rest of the royal family what's going on. So, Crystal immediately makes Lockjaw bring the rest of the royal family back to Earth one by one. And here's where he doesn't know how to do his job. <laughs> What do you guys think of the look of the uh, teleporting that Lockjaw does? Because this is kind of different. Yeah, it's it's different, but it's it's pretty cool. I I kind of like, you know, it's not like they just blink out. You know, he actually kind of like, you see him kind of 
phase and like shoot off to the side or whatever. He's pixelating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a smear almost off to the side. It's, <laughs> it's like a weird... It's something I've never seen before, so I gotta give them credit. You know, Nightcrawler in the X-Men movies, he, you know, blinks Oops. out of existence, but you, you get the bamf, but then you get, like, this mist, you know? That, yep. And so, I, okay, they did something different. I'd never yeah. seen that before. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. All right, so now we get another commercial. And so when we return, Maximus and his men, they, they attempt to capture Medusa, and now we get another cover. I was very surprised... Like, oh, we're gonna get two covers. Yeah. Same style, like right next to each other. And yes, uh, and this one <laughs> paint it black. Yes. Rolling Stones cover. These are expensive songs, by the way. Yeah. I know they're not the original recordings. Maybe maybe it doesn't cost as much to use them if it's covered by another artist. Can it be categorized as a parody? No, because no. it's the same words. <laughs> but Weird Al would be yeah. awesome in this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, this particular cover, you know, it, it, another kind of weird because, you know, you're so used to the original. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, like, cover songs if they're done well. Mm -hmm. This one was not that bad. And towards the end of it, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I kind of like this one, you know, and it was. Of the two. Oh, yeah, way better, better than one. the other. But I wouldn't yes. be like, yeah, I'm going to play that song on my uh, iPod, you know? Right. <laughs> Quick, get Shazam up to the Inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or you can use your, your Xfinity voice remote and say, what song is this? Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so this scene, paint it black, very, you know, uh, I think it was, a, it was a female artist, right? Singing play Valerie uh, Broussard. Play Why did I look this up? <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, because I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. No, because it's not. She's she's good. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a it's an okay song, but its placement right after we had the Doors. Now we're getting the Rolling Stones. It's like okay, maybe you know. And this is the only two times we get this, and they're right close yeah. together. Yeah, that was the other thing was that like it, if they were spaced further apart, it wouldn't have been so like I don't know goofy. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would have been like oh okay, you know, you get a song here, a song there, whatever. That's fine. Yeah, uh, but it was more they were so close together it was just like you know you had your you know generic soundtrack music like in other parts and then cover song cover song <laughs> like, yeah, whoa. Yeah. so she's trying to fight off these guards with her hair we get more cgi hair again it looks really weird but she is eventually stopped uh by a guard who has the power to microwave heads with his hands <laughs> and uh so that's enough to like incapacitate her or at least her hair you know, I, I'm guessing it paralyzed her hair. That's kind of how we have to view it. Then mm -hmm. Maximus takes out hair clippers. I'm like, are yeah, you kidding or me? Ordinary, like, department store hair, like, beard trimmer yes. things. Yes. Did you notice there was no attachment on it? It was just flat. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she should be Yeah, bald. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it yeah, should have been, like, right down to the skin. Yeah, you should have, like, dialed it, dialed it up a little bit for her. And it was quite even. I'm like, what? <laughs> Maybe she touched it up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I didn't even notice that. And isn't her her hair supposed to be like living, right? Yeah. So like, wouldn't wouldn't she be like screaming in pain as this was happening? Well, she kind of was. She just kind of looked like. Huh. But the cover song was drowning her out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was crying, but like, yeah. she wasn't like screaming like. Ow, this really hurts. You know, I'm getting scalped, basically. Yeah, I didn't um, take it as pain. I thought she was just like, this is her power being taken away from. It was really a disturbing scene. I, I mean, it was yeah. really unnecessary. 
Right. But it, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is like the, the way I understood her powers or her hair to be was that it, her hair is like almost an extension of herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, her, like another arm, another appendage or something. Right. Okay. So like if you're cutting off your arm, yeah, right. that's going to yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can see that. But I guess maybe if if they did it that way, I guess, I don't know. Well, it might have been a little too But she too can much. control it. Just like you tell your arms and your legs to move through your brain. Right. Isn't that what she's kind of doing that with her hair too? Yeah. No, it, w- it would imply that there are some nerves in there, which makes it a little more gruesome. You know, if she can control oh, yeah. them. But again, this, these are comic book characters. So That's I don't true. think... I don't think Stanley and Jack Kirby, like, completely thought out Medusa's powers. Probably never expected that 50 years down the road, there'd be an actress playing her. And we'd have to, like, <laughs> think about these things. True. I, I was almost... Cra- not. I mean, this scene was very disturbing. But I was cracking up at the idea that her hair looked so bad that they wrote in a scene where, okay, well, the rest of the episodes, now she doesn't have her signature hair. Right. It's like, well, what's the point? This is Medusa. That, like, yeah. in the comics, she's supposed to have this long hair, and she can swing, you know, swing around with it like Spider-Man if she needs to. Like, what <laughs> does she do? That'd be amazing. It's funny, just uh, a comment, too, on the uh, the Clippers. A co-worker of mine, I, I finally said to him, like, you gotta see it, you gotta see it, just so you can say that you saw it. He finally watched it, and his, his first comment was about the hair Clippers. He's like, really? <laughs> they couldn't come up with, like, Adelan hair clippers? There couldn't be a Cree technology? It's like regular hair clippers. Like, that's what took him out of the whole episode. Is like, <laughs> earth hair clippers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was a very problematic scene. Didn't like it. I feel it was important, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I still say that she should have been a little more in pain or whatever when it was happening. I mean, the viewers were in pain enough, Kevin. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So Maximus and his men, now they move forward to Black Bolt's room, where he informs his brother of his plans to overthrow him. And Black Bolt is like, he's got the stone face, you know, he doesn't show much emotion, but he was almost about to speak. And Maximus notices this and he's saying, you know, would you kill your only brother just like you killed our parents? And... (laughs) (laughs) This brings us to the parental death flashback scene. Probably the most hilarious scene (laughs) of this entire premiere. Finally, we get a laugh out loud moment. And why don't you guys explain what happens in the scene? Because as parents (laughs) yourselves, I'd love to get your take on this. (laughs) Well, I would hope that our children would never speak to us like that. Uh, well, f- for starters, I, I don't think they've actually said what Black Bolt's powers are at this point, have they? I, no, and I don't think actually we have, if anybody has not has no. not seen it. So why don't you explain? Okay, well, we'll just explain the scene. I think that's the best way to do it, because that's how the episode did it. Yeah. So we see, you know, this kid sitting down on, uh, like, a couch or chair or something like that in front of his parents. And, you know, he's <laughs> obviously just gone through you know, whatever Terragenesis thing and received his powers. And he's trying to come to grips with, you know, these changes. So he looks up at his parents who are in front of him and just says, Why? (laughs) 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 And his parents, well, they can't really respond to him because they're now... uh, The wall? Painting the wall. (laughs) (laughs) He basically, 
<laughs> oh. oh gosh. He basically his power is that his voice is crazy powerful and just his voice alone will just, you know, knock down buildings and things like that. So him saying why in in front of his parents, he basically just obliterated them. Yep. <laughs> it was so shocking. Like they became splattered meat onto a concrete wall. I mean, it was not that it didn't become that gory because they did get vaporized, no. but you see their bodies like disintegrate. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> it was oh my gosh, it it was worth watching just for this scene. <laughs> well, no, there's another scene that's also worth watching. A couple other scenes that are worth watching in episode two. Sure. But but for episode one, this is the yes. <laughs> worth watching for. Oh. It kind of reminded me of like cartoons. Yes. When they would like, they speed off and it's like, pew! <laughs> like the little like shadow. Uh, and they crack the wall. Like, there's yes. like two big cracks on the wall where they once were. And he just kind of sits there looking like, huh? Huh? What happened? <laughs> I know they were trying to go with something very, like, shocking and dramatic. You know, this was a traumatic thing that happened to him when he was young. But just to make it happen on, like, a whiny, like, why? It's just so... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. And I guess they were the original king and queen. So that's how he became king, I'm guessing. Yep. But Wow. What a scene. I, I, that's why I, I messaged you guys after I saw it. Like, wait for the parental flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there there, aren't bars of soap large enough for his mouth. <laughs> nope. It's like okay. in Christmas Story when he says, oh, fudge. <laughs> but I didn't say why. <laughs> uh, so after this scene, <laughs> we cut back. Back to present day. Black Bolt is still having this standoff against his brother. Black Bolt is just about ready to do the same thing to his brother and the guard standing behind him. You know, because Maximus was kind of, you know, would you do the same to me as you did to our parents? And yeah, yeah, he would. <laughs> and Maximus, you can see the fear in his eyes and he's like, shoot him, shoot him. But at the last second, Lockjaw, of course, teleports in and then smears out of harm's way, taking Black Bolt <laughs> with him. At this point, I think everybody is pretty much... Oh, no. Uh, Karnak and Medusa uh, get transported out, I think, before Black Bolt. Because I, th I think that was right after they get splattered. Then it's the Karnak and Medusa get transported back to the set of Lost. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> he should already know his way around. You would think, you know, or at least be familiar with that one point. That's not how it goes. So, yeah, those guys are already safe. At this point, everyone is safe except for Crystal. Maximus orders Crystal to be held. You know, he doesn't want her to be the last royal family member to escape. So we cut to Medusa. She now finds herself on Diamond Head Crater in Oahu. And then Karnak at Haloa Ridge. And it's like, these are all, we're all given these titles at the very bottom of the screen so we know that where they are. Karnak is kind of like looking around. He's on these cliffs and he's just saying, stupid dog. <laughs> And we cut to Gorgon, and he is at Makapu'u Beach, where he was already on the mission. You know, he's still there. And finally, we cut to the middle of a busy road in downtown Honolulu, where Lockjaw teleports Black Bolt. And it's like right in the middle of the road, Black Bolt just stands there and causes an accident <laughs> at an intersection. This is, brings me back to, like, he's bad at his job. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because, I mean, he is told, bring them to, you know, exactly, or bring Gorgon exactly where Triton was, and then tells him to bring them, you know, basically to the same spot, but he's just dropping them off all over the island. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, isn't he supposed to keep them safe, but he drops them off in the middle of traffic? Yeah, and and in in Lockjaw's defense, if you look at, at the Earth from the moon... That's like bringing, uh, you know, Lassie bringing everybody to Timmy at the well, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Close, but not perfect. So uh, we cut back to Adelon and Maximus is interrogating Crystal. Lockjaw interrupts. She tries to immediately get him to teleport, but one of the Royal Guard uses her powers to put him to sleep. Not not that type of sleep. I mean, (laughs) literally making him go to sleep. Yeah. And Crystal's acting at this point, it's not great (laughs) when she's just lockjaw wake up lockjaw i'm like oh this is like tara reed level acting (laughs) oh boy yeah isabel cornish is her name like i mentioned an australian actress i i meant to ask hamish if he knew of her work you know in australia i was not familiar with her i think this is probably one of her first u.s television if not the first u.s television i think she was a model yeah but again this could just be the production. That's nothing against her. Sometimes you could have good actors in a miserable production and <laughs> does not work. So uh, we cut to a shot of Maximus next <laughs> addressing the people of Adelon uh, via a giant screen inside the city dome. And again, Simpsons movie. I'm thinking of Albert Brooks's villain character addressing <laughs> Springfield via a giant screen on the inside of the dome. Like, come on. So Maximus tells the people... Uh, the royal family fled and abandoned you, and uh, he's not sure why, but uh, he'll find out, and justice will be served. It's like, that's enough to sway everybody? I'd be like, well, why did they leave? You know, that's that doesn't make sense. That's not even a good cover story. Yeah. So, uh, back on Earth, uh, Medusa now contacts Black Bolt on the, her Fitbit, and... Uh, <laughs> Asks to see if he's okay and how many steps he's done so far today. (laughs) (laughs) The bus that she gets on? Oh, yes. (laughs) Magically, there's an extra seat. And it's to me, it seemed like some sort of like tour bus Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't she have been part of the group prior? And the group's just like, oh, yeah, sure. Get on the bus. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not short somebody, or why is somebody new coming on? Like, where are you from? Uh, she she would stick out like a sore thumb. She's yeah. got a very distinct hairstyle now, you know? <laughs> She's wearing her purple dress. Like, it's like a fashion designer made this dress. You know, this is not what you wear when you're out hiking. It, yeah, it's not what the others were wearing, too. <laughs> just the fact that she could just sneak on the bus. Like, the bus driver did not care. Yeah, the only time he got he cared was when she was trying to get off the bus. Yeah, as we'll find out, he should have cared. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Medusa's trying to contact Black Bolt, like I mentioned on those Fitbits, you know, and why have sound communication for a guy that could not express himself like that? I mean, I'm sure there's text and video capabilities on those things. They're, they have the powers to do everything else. But instead, he holds the calm link to his heart, and she can Aww. hear his heartbeat. So she knows he's okay. But she hears cars and traffic. So she knows that he's on Earth. So, okay. But that could be anywhere. You know, she's like, you're here. It's like, you know, he could be in, uh, he could be in Melbourne. Yeah, or Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he'd hear a very distinct type of traffic if he was in Boston. That is true. 
Uh, with some other move your garbage dog <laughs> <laughs> now why doesn't she just do well i mean it's kind of flashing ahead but you know we see later that you know these little fitbit thingies you know you can open open them up and they have a view screen on them that has tracking capabilities so you can see <laughs> the others you know why doesn't she just flip the thing open and be like oh there you are because they didn't spring for the next gen. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's a great point. Why? Why do some have better ones than others? I mean, that should be a no-brainer. Track them down and head that way. So we cut to Karnak next, and even though he has the power to see the weaknesses in all things, he slips off a rock ledge and gets knocked out. It's like what? Yeah, and and, it, and it's not even. It wasn't even that treacherous of like. A course that he was on no. where he fell. Do his powers not work on Earth? No, well, they do later. Yeah, they're supposed to. Uh, but, it, it's, yeah, like you mentioned, he just takes, like, a false step. And we should have seen him fall and then see time freeze and him, like, going, well, that didn't work out that way. I'll step the <laughs> oh. other way. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> Could that be because he he knew that the fight was coming versus... Him not knowing that he's going to slip? Does that I mean, make sense? No, it does, because that's the only way you could spin it, as it was a surprise. It caught him off guard, and that's why his powers couldn't account for them. But that's pretty weak. Yeah, because yeah. later, you know, when he's Stretching walking, it. you actually do see him using it, because it shows, like, a path, you yeah. know? Yeah, like a little brain compass shows up. Yeah, and, and like, the edges of the trail are even highlighted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for this particular scene, no, he takes like half a step and then just falls and hits his head. Yeah, and I was thinking about this too. This should have been Gorgon, right? I mean, Karnak's power should have helped him to see the weakness. So that yep. doesn't make sense. Gorgon has hooves for feet. I know he has the boots in this scene, but send him out there with hooves and then he would slip off the ledge. You know, these are hooves that also... We have established they can crack the ground. So maybe, like, when he takes a false step, he accidentally cracks the rocks. I mean, this would have been perfect. Right. Uh, I, I, that shocked me to see that. Like, well, then they should have switched these two characters. Yeah, because then Karnak could go hang out with the surfer guys. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll get into the surfers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back on Adelan, uh, Maximus is now sitting on the throne. He just couldn't help himself. He has to sit there now. He plans to have the guards out on the streets as a show of force while he will serve as their voice of comfort. It's thought, almost like a Game of Thrones. But I'm bum ching. In space. Pigs <laughs> <laughs> uh. in space. <laughs> uh. Love the Muppets. Oh, of course. You guys want to talk about the Muppets instead? Sure. Oh, yes. All right. So, uh, the episode that I'd rather watch. No, so, uh, <laughs> so next he has crystal brought into the throne room he's trying to convince her you know things are different than what the royal family would have you believe and what the genetic council would tell you and he says that she needs to speak to the people and honor maximus as her new king or else she'll be imprisoned in her room for the rest of her life it's like did you see <laughs> you a room go to your room you're grounded <laughs> but did you see her room i would choose the room that's a great oh room. yes yeah. yes <laughs> Adeline, we should mention, is furnished by Ikea. You know, and, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. You know, nice balcony view, too. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous room. Yeah. But of course, as anybody would, she chooses the room. 
but here she calls Maximus a human, just a human, which uh, that's a sore spot for him, as we mentioned. He tells her that she will not be protected from tragedy, and uh, she's taken away as we cut to commercial. Unfortunately, the viewers were not protected either. <laughs> so when we return, we see that Gorgon is still on the beach, screaming for Triton, and for some reason, at, after all this time, he attempts to swim. But of course, as you can imagine, hooves are very poor flippers, and he begins to sink. And again, this could have been Karnak. They could have just made it like, oh, his coats made him too heavy to swim. You know, this these two could have been switched so easily. Okay, in this scene with Gorgon on the beach, they didn't really break it up for us as we watched the premiere, but this is generally where episode two begins. So what we're going to do is end here with episode one and uh, get everybody's thoughts. Uh, guys, what do you think? Halfway through. It was, to this point, you know... It I mean, while we were watching, we were kind of sending messages, you know, back and forth to you and just, we were just laughing and laughing. Like it was, <laughs> it was so bad that it was entertaining. Yeah. So, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, there's definitely scenes that are worth watching, you know, like the parental flashback. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, there are some, you know, cool stuff in it, like seeing how Karnak's powers work. Lockjaw's cool. Even Black Bolt, the way, you know, like, his eyes are, like, very expressive, you know, Hmm. like, which, not so much in the first episode. Uh, That's more, you know, once he's on Earth, you know, you see more of that. But um, those two characters are done, well, I mean, Lockjaw hasn't been all that (laughs) much in it, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it was bad, (laughs) but had potential to kind of hopefully pull itself back together to a point where it's not completely awful. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's your typical setup for the storyline episode. Right. But some things I think they rushed to jump into the storyline. Like they could have done the smoothing out like well, that sound that was I was going to say the smoothing out of like the fight of Medusa and Maximus. Like that was kind of <laughs> Poor choice of words. Um, <laughs> some things like that they probably could have, but, you know, it's your basic setup episode. In some of the characters you can start to yeah. see really will come out. Like Karnak, I like him. He's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were some bright spots, but generally, like you said, Kevin, a lot of laugh out loud moments. It's supposed to be our origin story, but really they kind of put it in the middle of like an Agents of Sh- It's like a, it branches off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so we don't get like a proper origin. I just I just felt it lacking really as far as exposition. It, it gave us enough. Like we knew, okay, he's the king, she's the queen. They're all related. But the real backstory, I mean, you really have to kind of dig into the Wikipedia pages or the comic books to really get exactly why they are, what they are, uh, why they are, where they are, and all that stuff. It's not really fully explained. Maybe they'll explore it in later episodes, but... Not a promising start, though. No, and I think they had to try and do it so... Because, I mean, like, Marvel is huge in, like, all those comic movies. You know, like, that's such a big thing that's going on now that they have to try and see if they can take those pieces and make this Captain America. You know, like, to kind of have the fans of those types of movies and tv shows to bring them into this 
I'm not sure it's, I mean, yeah, you have those diehards that are going to know every detail, but they want to gain new viewers who have never, I never read the comic. I'll, I'm straight, I'll straight up and say that I've never read the comic, but so I didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes thing. So maybe I have a different take on it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's not really the type of series, at least the way they did it, that's going to really bring in new <laughs> viewers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they had to kind of tone down pieces of it in yeah. order to be able to do that. Because that's really all how they're going to be able to finish out the season. And all what I, I mean, they rushed production of it. They Everything that I was researching was saying that they started filming in like February of this year. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think you nailed it earlier, Sarah, when you made the, the Game of Thrones, you know, analogy. I think they were trying to capture some of those fans. Like, here's a here's an actor you already know from that show. And this is kind of like a mixture of the Marvel Universe and Game of Thrones, you know. But uh, again, I'm an X-Men fan. X-Men, you had that isolated and shunned group. Uh, but it was very interesting. You had interesting, you know, interpersonal relationships among the characters. This is just like the boring royal family, you know, and they're, you get to see them eat a meal and, you know, be briefed on a situation. It's so boring. Con- <laughs> in a big concrete city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's almost like the pieces of it would be good if they can kind of pull them into other franchises like if they pull some of these characters you know into shield or into the cinematic universe it might almost work better than it has at least to this point uh from what we've seen of of the inhumans oh yeah imagine avengers infinity war there's a scene where colson shows up on a helicarrier and outruns black bolt in a special cameo you know screaming at thanos that would be awesome it would be (laughs) But do we need this whole series to back up that character? Uh, I don't think so. And that'll pretty much do it for this part of this episode of Hitting Play. Uh, as always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your terrogenesis, transformations, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Uh, you guys have anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. You can find our the Mystery Science Theater type commentary things that my brother and I have done at gumroad.com slash cinema. Uh, and you can find uh, some of my kids' uh, YouTube series, Kids Unboxing Stuff, on YouTube. And the link is in the uh, information on the episode. Very good. What he said? I'm on the internet. I just, I'm not that creative. I just support my friends and family and what they do. Uh, I just like a bunch of baseball stuff on Twitter, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm at MC and friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Instagram uh, at MC underscore and underscore friends. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes or Apple podcasts, uh, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. And if you do, you'll get a shout out on the show uh, for Android users. We're also available to stream in our download on Stitcher. Uh, we can be found on TuneIn radio, Google play music, and uh, I believe you can play us on Alexa-enabled devices as well. Uh, if you have a Roku device, uh, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel and set Hitting Play as a favorite, so you can stream those episodes through your television. Uh, and if you really want to help out the show, uh, we also have a Spreadshirt store. That's uh, www.shop.spreadshirt.com slash Hitting Play. Uh, there'll be a link to that in the description as well. 
Well, we have been Sarah, Kevin, and Scott. This has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Why? <laughs> <laughs>